Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So if you go to the coasttocoastam.com page, right, and you click on tonight's show, Desert Strangeness slash Open Lines, and we'll, we'll slash through some open lines coming up later on, uh, you'll see links to um, M.L. Behrman's various work. For example, his website, his YouTube channel, uh, and to his book, uh, which, by the way, I like quite a bit. I found it, um, or maybe you've got, well, his nonfiction book. Then he's got fiction books, too, which are always fun. But I found uh, Mojave Mysteries on my desk the other night. I was cleaning off my desk, and I found it. Uh, ML, and I, I'd forgotten how much I dog-eared it and highlighted different passages in it. It's such a fun read, and it's a great accompaniment for the show tonight. It's nice to have you back on Coast to Coast. Well, thank you very much, sir. I'm glad to be here. Oh, man, you rock. So um, so ML and I talk all the time, and, and, uh, and he, he sent me these photos. Before we get to that, I mean, I encourage you to go look at them. Uh, again, under tonight's show, Desert Strangeness, click onto that uh, the parenthetical link. It just says uh, related images. But before we do that, for people who have missed your previous appearances on Coast to Coast, you, you have an interesting story to tell in that you didn't set out to do what you found great success doing. You went to Hollywood. You were going to be a script writer. You did work on, on different uh, products over the years in Hollywood before you made it back to the desert. Just to explain that transition so people know a little bit more about you. Um, well, I had come to Hollywood, uh, like you say, to try and be a writer and uh, also work uh, in the art department because I was really into model making and stuff like that. And I got on a show that was going to do paranormal stuff, and they were going to shoot some of the episodes out in the desert, out everywhere from Palmdale to Joshua Tree to uh, up in the Mojave Preserve. And I started coming out, and I just fell in love with the area. Um, the show ended up not going anywhere, uh, but I loved it so much that I actually bought a house out here because um, it was cheaper to buy a house in the desert than it was to live in an apartment in Hollywood. I bet. Um, you know, at first I thought I'd made the worst choice of my life because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm... I'm, I'm on the far side of the moon out here. Um, <laughs> but then I just, after a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, I'm home. You know, I just, I just love this area. And I've always been a history buff, and going out and exploring the old mines and talking to people that uh, were prospectors or um, ranchers or whatever, uh, I started to hear stories from them. Um, now, I'd always thought that the desert was strictly, you know, the background for a Western you know, it was going to be cowboys and Indians and miners and, and ranchers. But then I started seeing and hearing how weird it was and how many people had a story. It was like everybody had a story, you know. And um, I just started collecting them. And uh, not with the idea of doing a book, just because I thought, you know, it might be material somewhere down the line. Um, and the more I got... I actually started going out and, and trying to look into some things and uh, had a few experiences of my own that were really weird. And so I decided, well, you know, this is almost like an uncharted territory for a lot of people. Now, there are people that have written stuff and do radio shows about the desert, but um, I, the stories seem to be the same three or four stories recirculated a million times. Right. And I, I wanted to find out 
different stuff. And then I, being a historian, I'd go look at the old archives of newspapers and, and journals and stuff like that and, and find out that a lot of these phenomenon have a pedigree that goes back one, two, three, four hundred years, you know, back to Native American times, and that they also seem to cluster around certain areas. And I just started getting more and more into it and more and more uh, following the story, so I decided, well, I'll do a book, and then I'll start doing some videos based on stories in the book and just try and, you know, develop the... uh, the idea around it, and and I always say it's it's. I always imagine myself as like the old nobleman who has the cabinet of curiosities, you know. Right. Like, okay, come look at this skull I found, or look at right. this weird thing, or you know. And uh, the desert to me is just one giant cabinet of curiosities. Yeah, but you also started writing the fiction uh, yeah, series, well, which is really cool. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I I came up with the idea of this monster hunter from the 1800s, you know, a cowboy who goes and takes up different jobs to track down creatures that at the time he didn't know what they were. And I would get it from, like, I spend a lot of time out by myself in the desert at night camping, and and I would kind of sit, you know, there on the rocks at, at night and think like, oh, wow, wouldn't it be scary if you were like, you know, a cowboy out here and, and right. you were on the, the trail of something. So it would just... It just became great fodder and atmosphere for additionally what I was doing. Well, I, I, I love that it's sort of Zane Gray meets Coast to Coast, and it's a fun vibe, and, and people who like that type of fiction should, um, well, even just people who like good fiction should read those books. But And you can find out more by linking up to him at his website or Amazon or any place where books are sold. But it, the, the, the YouTube channel is fun. And that's where I found you originally when I was doing research on murders in the Mojave and uh, came across your work that way. But this new thing is pretty captivating because the, the, the tradition of a Bigfoot, like you mentioned, has a strong Native American uh, association. I just didn't realize that the tradition could somehow be associated with that part of the desert i think of it as being that if we're going to be looking at at tracks of a yeti of some sort that it's going to be in more wooded areas not you know in the in the open and if i'm bigfoot and i'm hairy and i don't want to be in 125 degree heat so i mean that's part of it too is i think i would never have expected this part of the story well, exactly. When I, I first moved here, one of the very first experiences I had was I hired a old prospector to take me around and show me, you know, what a prospector looks for because I was kind of want, wanted to research gold uh, mining and all that. Yeah, why not? And I, and I took him out, and uh, I, I've told this story before, so I won't go into the long version. But uh, we were taking a break, and he he told me that. Um, he used to be a man tracker in the Green Beret in Vietnam, and he did three tours. And, you know, that was fascinating because he was pointing out all these tracks to me. So I made a joke about Bigfoot because I had taken my boot off and stepped in the sand, and I got size 12 feet. So I, was, I went, hey, Bigfoot. He's like, oh, no, Bigfoot's a lot bigger than that. I'm like, oh, really? Uh, he goes, yeah, I've tracked Bigfoot. And I'm like, oh. No kidding. Now, I'm thinking, you know, the jungles of Laos or somewhere right. in Vietnam. He goes, no, up in Death Valley. And I'm like, 
oh, oh man, you got to tell me this story. So he told me this really intriguing story about tracking Bigfoot through Death Valley, and uh, I'm like, wow, that's it. Just was so genuine and unforced and and unexpected that it kind of triggered. Like, well, I'll start looking around at, at different stuff, um, other stories, to, and. Going back in the newspapers, I found stuff, you know, where ranchers and cowboys and cattlemen were talking about it in the desert. And then how the uh, Native Americans, the Serranos and the Paiutes and different ones would have a tradition of the hairy man or the giant uh, elder brother that lived out in the desert. Now, um, so it had long folklore along with what you would call conventional news reporting on it. Um, now, as far as like, well, what the hell is something that like that going to be eating, drinking, and, and right. sheltering in, in the right. desert? Now, here's the thing. When I say desert, a lot of people immediately think cactus and an endless landscape. Um, but there's mountains in the desert. And sure. a lot of, we do see black bear. And black bear don't live in the desert. They're moving between the mountain ranges. So when they're out on the flats or crossing open land, You'll see them or see their track or, or encounter them. I mean, we still have people, you know, having their garbage raided even here at the in the desert. Um, so, conceivably, a creature or whatever uh, could be living in the, the the wilder upland, cooler areas and only crossing the desert floor when it's going someplace. Right. So. That could be one um, explanation for how it could even be possible. Now, bringing us to tonight and the, the pictures I sent you, um, what happened was, and... Um, wait, 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 before you do that. Yeah. Address the question, though, that you, you intoned, but you didn't go back to. What would they be eating? Because assuming that walking across the desert, you consume a lot of calories... Uh, these are, you know, if, if we're talking about the, the Bigfoot of folklore and the image that we have in our head, that's a big body to be moving around. Even if it moves only in the cool of the night, that's still going to burn up a lot. So what would they be eating, um, out in the middle of the desert? Well, here's the thing from a couple sources I've heard that they eat rodents and now People don't know that in the desert, we've per square foot, per square meter of the desert, our rodent population is unreal. You know, we have ground squirrels, uh, all sorts of rats, stuff like that. And hmm. there's been reports of people have seen them eating, you know, these. And when I say ground squirrel, I mean not like a chipmunk. We have those size, but I mean a huge squirrel-like right. size. Right. And I had one report where a guy said he had seen one eat eight of those in one go. It had dug them up under rocks, and then sat down and, and ate them, <laughs> everything but the tail. So uh, conceivably, um, it could find enough nourishment from a meal like that sure. uh, within an hour, two hour, three hours work for gathering it. Again, if it's moving from mountain range to mountain range, you know, up in the ranges we've got deer and bighorn sheep, and a lot bigger things that support a, a population of mountain lion. But are there reports of coming across various carci that people can't explain? Um, um, 
I, I myself have come across tons of, of uh, dead sh- sheep up in the hills, but, you know, I would first assign it to a mountain lion. Right. Before I, you know, it, it, it's the old thing, unless I saw Bigfoot eating the <laughs> sheep, I couldn't <laughs> tell you, you know. Right. If, if, but finding the carcass is like something ate it, so I would assume it was a mountain lion if if it was something other than that, well, that's a possibility too, I guess. Uh, what about wolves? Do you get those or desert um, fox? And what do you we get? Have, well, we've got um, coyotes. We've got koi oh, sure. dogs, which are like a mix oh. of dogs right. that's gone feral. Um, we have fox, and supposedly we've got gray wolves in a few spots in the Mojave. Okay. Um, certainly, super rare. These days, back in the 1800s, where there were a lot of animals and everyone seemed to shoot everything that moved, right. uh, we had all sorts of things. I mean, they even had jaguar and, and stuff like that that had come up from the Yucatan. Wow. Uh, been in the southern uh, areas of, like, you know, Texas, Arizona. Right, right. On over. So, so th- th- and then what about... Water and again, and we'll get to the the photos here in just a second, giving people time to get caught up by going to coast to coastam dot com, sure. clicking to desert strangeness slash open lines, which we'll get to in a couple hours, and then uh, and then going down, scrolling down, looking to related images, and you can see the photos that that ML has collected just in the last what week, Two the photos weeks. that you took. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay, so uh, would there be, this is a question I, I really, would they need to have a separate water supply if they were drinking, for example, if they were eating eight squirrels, if a Bigfoot were eating squirrels, would that provide enough liquid nourishment for him to not require a water supply? Now you're, you're asking me like I'm an expert on this. Well, I don't <laughs> know what the tradition I've never, is. I've but, never I mean, seen, like, but, but I would imagine that that would not be nearly enough water then where would be a water source oh yeah um you know the the west was pushed through by going water hole to water hole you know uh, yeah you could fill up a barrel and put it in your wagon and go but most of the trails roads and development of the the entire west was based on how far to the next water hole so right. animals are no different. We have um, lots of uh, wild water holes and wilderness areas where, you know, you, you can't be in there after night because you'll scare the animals away from the water. Um, they get hmm. a huge range of, hmm. of, you know, animals out there drinking. So, um, yeah, it's hard to find. It is out there. And if you're out there, you're definitely going to need copious amounts of water. Well, that's what I, so I wanted to establish that because I think that's, with that as a background, then I think we can understand better the notion of traveling through the Mojave if the the hairy brother that lives out in the, in the desert or, you know, Yeti or Bigfoot or however we want to look at this, some sort of creature like that that would leave footprints like the ones that you photographed this week that we're not even we we've, we can just check all the boxes that say yes survivable 
and that we wouldn't ha- – let's not even go down the road then that, oh, this can't possibly be true because nothing could survive under those circumstances. We've established they can, and I love that. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.